This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. If you're a seeker, don't miss the inspiring book, Shamanic Awakening, Between the Dark and the Daylight. This remarkable work chronicles shamanic counselor and indigenously trained dream decoder Sander Cochran's 35 years of experience with diverse wisdom keepers throughout the Americas. Sandy's initiations across the British Isles, Turkey, Greece, and Egypt, combined with her knowledge of symbology, psychology, and myth, influence her dream blog and workshops. Sandy offers private readings, sacred international journeys, a meditative CD, and her book, Shamanic Awakening, to encourage you as you navigate your earthwalk and create a deeper connection to yourself. Find this and more at her website, starwalkervisions.com. Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiecki is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Gwilda Wiecki's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Science of Magic or endorsed in any manner by Gwilda Wiecki, Relmar McConnell Media Company, its affiliated networks, stations, or employees. Welcome to the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, a program dedicated to uncovering the unified nature of reality and humanity's ever-evolving place as truly galactic beings. For more information on the Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, visit us online at www.thescienceofmagic.net. Welcome to the Science of Magic, a place where science and magic come together to transform fact into evolving truth. We're proudly coming to you through the ever-expanding Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, and can also be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. This hour, we'll be exploring shadow dancing. For millennia, we've all been driven from our natural balanced expression through imposed guilt and shame. Used everywhere from parenting practices to religions, guilt and shame are a favored forms of control. Much of our natural expression has been judged against and found wanting as we eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In other words, we step out of unity consciousness into polarized thinking. Polarized thinking effectively casts us out of the garden of unity. In unity, we accept all things as equal leaving us free to discern what expression is appropriate in the moment. In polarized thinking, it's an always-or-never scenario. This not only cripples us by denying our access to half our natural expression, but it has us judging against part of our nature as bad or evil and shoving it firmly into denial. When we place something into denial, we don't abolish the energy, but rather compartmentalize it to the point we're no longer in conscious control of its expression. If we're in denial of its existence as part of us, it's seen as belonging to others, leaving us with no power over it. When we compartmentalize any portion of ourselves, we no longer have access to it, diminishing our personal power. It takes power to compartmentalize, further draining our resources. Denied expressions are no longer subject to the counterbalancing aspects of the whole. They become stagnant and toxic, acting outside of our conscious control. Whenever they show their ugly, distorted heads, we deny them over and over again. Instead of owning these shadow parts, we project them onto the world around us, creating an enemy to destroy. 
sadly, the enemy is us. We are, in effect, attempting suicide. This is the basis behind all bigotry, war, and persecution. Hitler projected his denials upon the entire Jewish race. He then painted the Jews as villains to others who possessed denials they wished to project. He made such a convincing case, it resulted in the Holocaust. This entire concept is portrayed in the poem Naji, which is Lakota for ghost or shadow self. Trapped in the dungeons of my own definitions, I can hear the tortured screams of my raw potentiality as it tries to break free. Disowned, unrecognized, invalidated, distorted by lack of interaction with the whole, it fights for its life. The very struggle further identifies it as the enemy of the status quo. Hideous writhings brands it as a source of pain rather than the sufferer. I brutally stamp it down again, crush it back into the shadows of my denial. I rise above its promptings, regain my stability. But it shall rise again as sure as the sun on the morrow, for it is the greater part of me. As long as we disown and project our shadow, we're forever powerless as we've projected our power to change onto someone else. The shadow is not denied because it's distorted, but rather distorted due to our denial. How can we ever hope to embrace unity, wholeness, and evolution if we're internally divided against ourselves? Come on, what have you got to lose? Let's dance with the shadows. We may very well find some of our greatest strengths and virtues there, hidden in the darkness. Our guest this hour, Dr. Keith Witt, is a licensed psychotherapist, teacher, and author of six books, including his latest, Shadow Light, Illuminations at the Edge of Darkness. Keith has explored love, relationships, and development from multiple perspectives, weaving neuroscience, integral theory, wisdom traditions, and numerous forms of psychotherapy into a coherent cosmology of love and development. Dr. Wood is the founder of the School of Love, where he explores health, love, relationships, sexuality, spirituality, development, psychotherapy, and related topics through multimedia. After this commercial break, I'll introduce Dr. Keith, and together we'll dance with some shadows. So don't go away. You're listening to The Science of Magic. Prior innovative episodes can always be found on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. How would you like to be able to read other people's minds? Well, the next best thing is here. When you know how to read a person's name, you know how the person thinks, feels, and behaves. Each letter in our name holds a key to unlock our true essence. Our name contains both our gifts and challenges in this lifetime. Mnemology science discovers personality secrets hidden in the placement of the letters of our names, including the first and last impression people remember about us. Sharon shows us how to interpret the arrangement of letters as outlined in her book, Know the Name, Know the Person. Sharon Lynn Wyeth created Mnemology Science after 18 years of research and testing her theories and has supported thousands of people around the world in understanding themselves and others better. You'll enjoy Sharon's unique teachings as she shares her system to learn the gifts behind your given birth name. Even if you don't like your birth name, there are jewels in this book. If you're thinking of changing your name, ready to name your child, or wanting to get along better with others, this is the book for you. 
If you'd like to improve your relationships and change your life for the better, get the book today, Know the Name, Know the Person, or visit www.knowthename.com. That's www.knowthename.com. Take a step back in time and discover old Florida cuisine at Marsh Landing Restaurant in Felsmere, Florida. Enjoy delicacies such as frog legs, gator tail, catfish, and swamp cabbage, or enjoy the more traditional cuisine such as hand-cut Angus steaks, ribs, and seafood. Join us for breakfast with a southern flair featuring sweet potato pancakes, biscuits and gravy, and much more. Planning a party? Marsh Landing's private dining rooms can accommodate groups from 8 to 80 people. While you visit, enjoy the historic pictures, artifacts, and stories that line the walls. Marsh Landing is truly a unique experience. Marsh Landing Restaurant, 44 North Broadway in historic downtown Felsmere. Or visit marshlandingrestaurant.com. Marsh Landing, Old Florida cuisine at its best. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness, I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our guest this hour is Dr. Keith Witt. He's a licensed psychotherapist, teacher, and author of six books, including his latest, Shadow Light, Illuminations at the Edge of Darkness. His website is drkeithwitt.com. That's D-R-K-E-I-T-H-W-I-T-T dot com. Dr. Keith, thank you for joining us on The Science of Magic. I'm delighted to be on your show. We should have some fun here. You've, yeah. worked ex- you've worked extensively with shadow work. What drew you to doing it? Uh, I was drawn to psychotherapy when I was 15, in 1965. Uh, my family was having this kind of problems that families had in 1965, and uh, luckily my parents went to a therapist. And uh, through struggles and depression and lots of agonizing and and my parents hospitalized me when I was 15 and a half. And throughout all that, that storm, I established a little clarity. Uh, in the hospital in 1965, what they did with teenagers is they gave them electroconvulsive therapy. And I had 23 of those treatments one summer. And strangely, it cleared my mind. And in that the moment of clarity, I decided I wanted to be a warrior and a healer. And so I started studying martial arts and psychotherapy. And then never looked back. Had a black belt in karate three years later and a license ten years later. And as I studied psychotherapy and then taught psychotherapy and then wrote about psychotherapy, I began to realize that so much of what we do and say and think and feel and relate is coming from uh, areas, places that we don't have conscious awareness of. And that's positive and negative. We have gods and, and angels and demons in us, and the angels speak to us from our unconscious, from our shadow selves, and the demons speak to us from our unconscious and our shadow selves. And part of development is learning how to strengthen our aware self enough so we can listen to those voices, and then we can listen to the angels and say yes, and follow their advice, and we can hear what the devils are saying, and we can dialysize that and integrate that and grow our unconscious, grow our shadow selves. That's, that's amazing. Last... Go on. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. So say what you're going to say. Okay. What I was going to say is I, I, I find that amazing because one of the things, you know, working in this field that I run into is people don't get that there's voices that's coming from themselves. They think they get all the information they get is gold, and it takes a lot of introspection to, to know where the information is coming from and if it's valid, doesn't it? Yes, it does. We, we, we all take the world for granted, and we have to. If we were aware of how magic self-aware consciousness is, if we were aware of the torrents of information that's always flooding up from our unconscious into our conscious selves, we'd be, we'd be overwhelmed, and so we normalize it. But self-aware consciousness is, is a, a new evolutionary uh, 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 phenomenon. It's the... It's the edge of the evolution of consciousness in the world, and it's, it's delicate. Um, we're influenced profoundly by our drives and our instincts, and we're, instinct, and we're influenced profoundly by 
all the transcendent understanding that we intuitively know but aren't fully conscious of. And this is constructive shadow and destructive shadow that's always coming up to us. And the way that brains work is very interesting. Um, our nervous systems are always reacting to the environment and determining whether the environment is safe or unsafe and responding accordingly. And it responds in 60 milliseconds, uh, 61 thousandths of a second, 101 thousandths of a second. Our conscious selves, which is newer from an evolutionary standpoint and slower, only catches um, these messages, and the messages are feelings and impulses and thoughts and stories, at a half second, a second and a half, and then responds to it. And so we walk through the world basically following our shadow selves and directing them through our self-aware consciousness. And the more that we can be aware of that interface between conscious awareness and the constructive messages and the destructive messages, the more we regulate them and we integrate them. And that's how we literally grow our shadow selves. And we don't do it by ourselves. We do it in relationship with each other. So um, it sounds like you're talking about intuition. Is, is Within the shadow self, there lies the, the key to intuition. Is that correct? Absolutely. Intuition is part of shadow. Um, uh, spirituality. You know, I personally believe that our conscious awareness and our relationships with each other is part of a much larger, more vast, um, energetic entity that we share. Um, you know, Carl Jung called it the collective unconscious. And I think that that entity informs us. And I think it, the, it informs us through um, our shadow selves, um, through our intuition, and through other flashes of insight, through feelings that we have in relationship with another person, through anxieties and fears that we might have in certain situations or irritations. This is all information coming from our shadow selves, coming from what we don't know into conscious awareness. And our self, our conscious aware self, manages the interface. It's, it's very, very difficult because the instincts, all animal instincts that have existed evolutionarily are in us and inform us, just as all our incredible, brilliant, uh, intuitive understanding of the universe that, that comes with every human being as they grow. That's informing us. And we have to make sense of that. And we have to make sense of that as we deal with the world and we deal with our fears and we deal with our desires. So how much of our shadow self, the demon side you're talking about, has been programmed into us by society? Well, uh, first of all, quite a lot. But most of what's been programmed into us from society is an evolutionary up-leveling from the previous levels of development. That doesn't mean that it's all great, but it means that uh, there's problems associated with it. And uh, the reason for this is that when self-awareness as we understand it is relatively recent. Um, 200,000 years ago, there were mutations on the FOXP2 gene, the human FOXP2 gene. There's 715 sites on that gene, and there were mutations on two of those sites that gave us the capacity for metaphor and for grammar and for understanding the past, present, and future. Um, and 50,000 years ago, um, our frontal cortex became uh, fully mature. And so self-awareness arrived. Well, all mammals, when the little, little baby mammal is about the same age as a toddler, they start wandering around, and the parents approve and disapprove of them. And when a, a mammal is disapproved of, it goes into a reaction. Um, and that's necessary for social development. And shame is a necessary uh, developmental milestone for kids. If kids can't feel shame, they turn into psychopaths. But unfortunately, uh, infant nervous systems and toddlers' nervous systems are immature, and so they program big reactions to the disapprovals. And these big reactions turn into defensive uh, habits of guilt and shame and projection and, and, and all the things that Freud talked about. Um, Freud thought that, that those uh, defenses were programmed in response to anxiety, but the, the neurobiological data of development um, doesn't really support that. It supports it that, that because humans take all the instincts and turn them into art, we take the instincts that we have to train our children and be trained, and we turn them into the art of consciousness, but also into the incredibly sophisticated art of defenses and uh, human distortion. 
And when we, our brains are, are mature enough to start regulating that when we're 14, 15, 16, they become what's called formal operational, which means that our brains are mature enough that we can actually examine concepts, um, uh, do critical analysis. Then we all have the task of going back into that primitive programming and reprogramming it to be more in keeping with our evolving understanding of the nuances of the world, of the shades of gray, of our advancing moral systems that we're learning as we become more caring, as we become more world-centric. Let me see if I've got this. So what we're doing there is rearranging our subroutines to better fit our environment if we get introspective enough to find them in the first place? That's right. And if we have a, a cultural... And this is where culture is very important. In the integral psychology... Um, uh, we say that that um, when you're in a culture, you are pulled up to the center of gravity of that culture. So if a child's born into a bigoted culture, that child will be pulled into the center of that, that conformist, um, fundamentalist, bigoted culture. And bigoted cultures always have a, a, an in-group and an out-group, and the out-group is always perceived as threatening. If a child's born into a rational culture, you know, where parents believe in science and they believe in critical analysis, that child will, will be pulled into beginning to look at, at things relativistically. If a child is born into a pluralistic uh, culture in their family, where um, they're multicultural, um, they're egalitarian, um, they're non-hierarchical, the child will be pulled into that level. And if a child's born into an integral uh, uh, culture, a family and a, a surrounding culture, the child will have a felt appreciation for all points of view and diminished fear of death and uh, a lifetime orientation towards spiritual and psychological and relational development. Culture manages us a lot. That's why in Buddhism, one of the three jewels of Buddhism is Sangha. It was Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, the Buddha himself, the, the teaching in the Dharma, and Sangha. You had to have like-minded people to support your development and to challenge you to develop further. So that's kind of like the common denominator belief system, and we just take it on? We take it on, and if we get too far beyond it, the culture that we're in will pull us back down. Mm -hmm. um, if, if I'm in a conformist culture where um, the, the, good, the people that have rights and are the people that share my beliefs and the people that don't share my beliefs don't have rights, and I start saying, well, I think everybody should have rights, my culture will pull me down. Um, they will have instincts to attack me or reject me, um, and then I'll either have to leave that culture, transform that culture, um, or allow myself to betray my emerging um, morality and regress back into the violence of that us-them thinking. Um, and this is the human journey. Uh, we're, all, we're all unique that way. It's what we're being confronted with at this time, isn't it? It is certainly what we're all being confronted with at this time. And the shadow part of this is huge. Um, we have mirror neurons in our brains that recapitulate of people's states of consciousness when we relate to them. And also we have reciprocal uh, reflexes. When, when someone comes to us in anger, we have a tendency to go back in anger. When someone comes to us in judgment, we have a tendency to go back in judgment. These are all forces that are shadow forces operating below the surface. And so um, when we're feeling the emotional violence of the time, we'll have instincts to come back with our own emotional violence. And if we're not aware of it, if we don't regulate it, we don't get people to love us and to love that we can love, that can help us reach for deeper compassion, then what we end up doing is mirroring the very violence that we're offended by. Uh, is that a form of, I'm just about out of time for this segment, but is that a form of entrainment, frequency entrainment? Absolutely. The human brain is a learn, is the, the human brain is the most magical and miraculous evolutionary achievement of the current universe as far as we know and it's a and learning machine it's that time for that break dr witt and i will return to our discussion on the flip side we're coming to you through the x-zone broadcast network don't miss the other fine shows and hosts on xzbn.net and there's a gang of us <laughs> you're listening to the science of magic the science of magic.net i'm gwilda Wiecka. there are more illuminations to come so don't you dare go away
This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. While science pursues fact, magic accesses the quantum level, bridging random facts to form truth. As long as science and magic remain separate and polarized, the truth cannot be known. I'm Gwilda Wiecka. Join me on the Science of Magic radio program, dedicated to unification and evolution of consciousness. During each episode, I'll be speaking with experienced and respected scientists and mystics. From astrologers to astronomers, from medical doctors to shaman, the scientific method to dowsing and intuition, we'll weave together information from seemingly divergent practices to promote unity and enlightenment. Join me, Gwilda Wiyaka, and the Science of Magic right here on the Mutual Broadcast Network. For more information, visit www.thescienceofmagic.net. Gibbs A. Williams, Ph.D., is a practicing psychoanalyst, supervisor, researcher, and author in New York City. Much of his life has been dedicated to understanding nature and the uses of meaningful coincidences or synchronicities. His radical and original non-Jungian, non-mystical, non-magical theory of synchronicities illuminates much of the fog surrounding this challenging and perplexing topic. His ideas and manners are fresh, presented in a style that is both entertaining and highly informative. He is also an expert on crisis intervention, specially focused on violence reduction for the police and citizens, mastering anxiety, frustration, and stress without the use of medication, and effectively preventing and treating heroin addiction. Dr. Williams can be contacted at his email address at gwwilliamsny11 at aol.com or visit his website at... Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone radio show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone broadcast network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. healing must address four levels, physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual, for us to live joyful and productive lives. We tend to treat three of the four, leaving the spiritual languishing. If you're tired of the same dysfunctional patterns cropping up in your life, soul balancing is for you. Trixie Phelps, owner and founder of Soul Balancing, is a naturally gifted energy healer trained in numerous esoteric forms, including shamanism. Trixie has created a powerful modality that safely and effectively clears your energetic field. A soul balancing session can remove interference, heal trauma, and restore your hope. Contact Trixie for a life-changing long-distance session today, www.soulbalancing.world. back. This is the Science of Magic, a place where magic and science come together to promote enlightenment. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka. Our very special guest this hour is Dr. Keith Witt. He's a licensed psychotherapist, teacher, and author of six books, including his latest, Shadow Light, Illuminations at the Edge of Darkness. Dr. Keith, I was, as we were talking before we went into the, the last break, you know, it, it came, it's came to my mind that there's a lot of compartmentalization that goes on 
Um, is could you speak to that as to how we, we compartmentalize our shadow? Absolutely. First of all, um, we have to um, exist. To exist, we have to block out um, everything but the present moment and then deal with the present moment. And a healthy human being, when they focus on something, their brain sends a, a wave called an N200 wave that, that blanks out the rest of the world and keeps you focused on what you're doing. That's essentially a compartmentalization. Um, when you're driving down the road and you're spacing out and you're not really noticing um, the side except the, 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 the scenery, except that you're driving safely, that's healthy dissociation. And so we have to be able to do that to be able to function. Now, our, our, unfortunately, um, we also avoid things that scare us, make us angry, or threaten us. And we have capacities to unconsciously block them or compartmentalize them. And we also don't want to look at parts of ourselves that we find objectionable, either scary or shameful and guilty and that kind of thing. And this is, again, where culture causes a lot of problems. L laws are blunt instruments. Moral standards are blunt instruments. And so every human being uh, who grows to have a nuanced understanding of the world realizes that, that they're not following all the precepts that they were taught. Um, and so there's some inherent guilt and shame in that. And if you can't examine that and refine your values to um, reflect a deepening consciousness, then what you end up doing is blocking stuff out, compartmentalizing stuff, um, repressing and suppressing stuff. And this was the classic definition of shadow that Jung had. Jung said that the shadow was stuff that we once knew became, um, you know, uh, say, our sexuality, say, our violence, uh, you know, say, our desires, and that we found distressing or objectionable, and so we repressed it so we weren't aware of it. And, of course, this does happen, and it is an important uh, form of shadow material, the compartmentalized, the repressed. My first teacher was a Lakota elder, and one of the things he taught me that I'm still wrestling with understanding, but I think we're talking about here, is he says there is no right and wrong. It's just choosing the appropriate or the right thing for the moment. And as long as we're compartmentalized, we don't have that option, do we? Yes, and, and you notice that your Lakota teacher was giving you the same teaching that the Buddha gave in the Axial period um, 2,500 years ago that um, the moral standard is connecting with our, our current understanding of God and of spirit and of love and then serving that first. And that the other standards are basically guides to that. Um, but that is the ultimate standard. And one of the beautiful things about the, the integral age that's happening now around us is that people are being supported in listening to their, their own truth, that Spiritual but not religious is the fastest growing orientation. And the central part of spiritual but not religious is you have your own understanding of God in you, of spirit in you. And that's the ultimate authority. That's the authority that you want to clarify. That's the constructive shadow that you relationship that you want to strengthen by listening and by paying attention. And whenever we listen and pay attention to a part of us that's uh, encouraging us to act with kindness and love, we're strengthening that part. So what advice do you, and how do you guide your people to uh, discern between the um, God self or angel self or the, the good information coming through versus the, uh, the denied the demon side that you spoke of earlier? My, I'm a practitioner. Um, I did some, I've done some research, and, and of course I write my books, but I've done close to 60,000 therapy sessions over the years. And so everybody has areas that work for them in their life and relationships that work and areas and areas of the relationships that don't work. Um, so say a couple comes in and um, he's angry at her. He's angry at her because he feels like she's uh, cold. Um, and then she's defensive and she's angry at him for judging her as cold. And so uh, uh, that has injured their relationship and it's injured their family and their children are having symptoms because mom and dad are mad at each other all the time. And so as they come in, um, I encourage them to, to look into themselves. What do you want? And what they want is love. They want to love the other person and feel loved by the other person. And I'll ask them to look deeper. So what is it that's stopping you from loving the other person and receiving their love? 
And what they'll come up with is their fear and their anger. And I'll say, well, just look at your fear and your anger. If, if, if your fear and your anger wasn't guiding you, um, and that's destructive shadow, defensive programming, um, w- and your love was guiding you, what would you do differently? And they begin to explore how they would love each other differently and how they could love the other person in the way the other person wants to be loved. Um, an, an individual will come in depressed, and he'll say, life sucks. And I'll say, really? So tell me what sucks about your life. There's lots of things are kind of this poor person said to a young man, pain. And we'll go deeper and deeper into his pain. So what's the pain telling you about you? What's the pain telling you about possibilities? And beneath the pain is yearning. It's yearning to feel, love himself, learning to love other people, and also yearning to create. All humans have a, a, a drive. It, it's, not a, it's, not, it, it's evolutionarily driven. It's a drive to self-transcend. Um, that poem that you recited at the beginning, that beautiful poem at the beginning of this. Poetry comes from our desire to self-transcend, that there's a beauty in us that we have to manifest um, as creation, creation in relationship, creation in other people. And so I put this young man in touch with that yearning and guide him a little bit in, in the practices, the mindfulness practices, Perhaps a young man, he needs some form of martial art to discover his warrior self. Um, relationship practices, perhaps he needs encouragements to make assertions with other people. Self-effective practices so that he can observe himself being more or less effective. And as we go deeper and deeper into that, he finds these little bubbles of joy in life. And I ask him, well, what's more credible to you? Um, joy in life, moving forward and creating and loving in the future, or life sucks? And gradually, as we work together, um, he begins to buy into, I think more joy in life is where it's at. I think more love of myself and other people is where it's at. I think life sucks probably was my, my pain and my violence um, distorting me. So are you you're kind of like helping him develop a witness, aren't you? Yes, um, the witness. I think the whole concept of ego is misunderstood in the West. It drives me crazy, frankly. <laughs> you know, I want to get rid of my ego. I go, no, we don't want to get rid of our ego. We want to actually grow our ego. We want our observing self to grow. And so the more that my ego grows, the wider the embrace of identification. So if my ego grows from it's just me and, and, everybody, and, and I want mine and everybody else, my ego can grow. Well, I, I want to, I, it's, just, it's not just me. It's me and these other people. And maybe it's me in the world. Maybe it's me in the universe. That expanded sense of self creates more compassion and more desire to serve and be in harmony. Um, and that's the observing self. And meditation is enormously useful. Um, yoga is enormously useful. These are two of the most widely researched transformative practices that exist in the world. Um, in my opinion, um, children should be doing yoga and meditation um, starting um, in school and continuing throughout their lives, like, as they should be instructed about nonviolent communication, about social and uh, intimacy, about sexual development, about um, uh, all the things that help make us joyful and caring human beings. You know, what a thought. Teach something useful in the schools. <laughs> you yeah. know, they are they are bringing yoga in. There's some. I've got to interview a gentleman that's uh, their whole society is bringing yoga and meditation into the school system, and they're having some really great results. That's good news. <laughs> it is so, good news. It's, it's wonderful news. Yeah. So how does having unprocessed, unprocessed shadows affect our identity and sense of self? Um, if... One of the principles that I noticed early in my career, this was in the 70s, that if somebody didn't experience themselves as beautiful, then we hadn't gone deep enough into their sense of self. And, and so what was blocking that sense of, I'm beautiful, you know, I'm an interface between the infinite and the physical world that is self-aware and connected to everything, what blocks that? Well, defensive programming blocks that. And defensive programming comes from a couple of different sources. First of all, there's the normal defensive programming that has to happen in socialization. Um, little kids' moral systems, like, say, a two-year-old's moral system, is a magical moral system. 
um, things are right or wrong just because that's the way the universe presents it, mom and dad present it. Um, you know, a little kid will get pissed off at mom at 3 o'clock in the morning because he wants sunrise to come and mom's not making sunrise come. And, you know, he believes she can do that. <laughs> and it's wrong for you not to give me sunrise when I want it. Um, the moral system of, a, of an 8 or 9-year-old is different. It's more of a mythical moral system. It's based on some kind of structure. Um, this is where most of the religions of the world came from. And then there's a rational moral system we develop um, when um, we're um, teenagers. And if we're, we're educated and if we're taught critical thinking, we become more rational and, and values have to make sense. And then there's a post-rational moral system. It's based more on universal care, universal rights. And all these exist simultaneously in us. And they're in conflict with each other, and part of development is learning how to reconcile them. That's normal, normal defenses that we have to deal with. Um, and, you know, and if we feel, if we dealt as a four-year-old with um, the fear of, of being disapproved of by trying to be perfect, that worked really well for that four-year-old. Or if we dealt with um, somebody being critical of us by being critical of ourselves first, you know, that worked pretty well for a five- or six-year-old in terms of making them feel a little safer around a critical person. That gets put into our nervous system, and then we have to reprogram that later. And these are, these are now defenses that are in response to environments that aren't perfectly attuned environments, and nobody grows up in a perfectly attuned environment. So that's one source of that distress and distortion. The other source of that distress and distortion is trauma. Um, we grow in the midst of emotionally charged experiences, positive and negative, and they inform our sense of self. Now, if there's a negative experience that I have that I can effectively deal with, you know, there's a little boy that's bullying me, and I look him in the face, and I, you know, I'm six. And I go, stop bullying me. It's wrong to bully, and I'm not going to let you do it. I'm going to tell, you know, your parents if you keep doing it, and he backs down. Then I feel better. I have transcended this little trauma of this kid bullying me, and I've resolved it nonviolently into a sense of triumph. That leads to a positive sense of self. But what if the kid bullies me and nobody helps? You know, and I and I collapse, and I um, find myself um, collapsing in the face of people um, uh, pushing me or, or we're bullying going- me. We're going to have to pick up with this on the other side. Dr. Witt and I will be back shortly, so don't leave us now. This is the Science of Magic, thescienceofmagic.net, the place where altruistic professionals of science and the esoteric create common ground for the betterment of our world. We're brought to you daily by the leader in paranormal, spirituality, and alternative health programming, the Exxon Broadcast Network, xzbn.net. Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365.
Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Wouldn't you love to know the secret to everything? I'm Dr. Kimberly McGeorge, and on The Secret to Everything, we will merge the practical with open investigation into all realms of the mysterious. We will talk to cutting-edge alternative health practitioners, those who inspire and motivate you in business and life, and of course, we will share stories of the paranormal, conspiracy, and cryptozoology. You will transform because of the frequency I carry, the frequencies my guests carry. Life may never be the same after you listen to this program. For the secret to everything is for you, the listener. For those who desire more in every area of their lives and believe that it can still be found. Listen and discover thesecrettoeverything.com. Little children aren't the only ones afraid of the dark. Millions of soldiers return from war zones with PTSD, anger, frustration, fear, and loneliness, much of which surfaces during the darkness of the night. You have the chance to change the lives of these American heroes. Songs and Stories for Soldiers.us provides free MP3 players for these men and women. With a list of 3 million songs in 16 different styles, 100,000 audiobooks, and 30,000 old-time radio programs, every veteran can find something to soothe and comfort them at no cost. All our players contain an 8-hour audio program designed to help veterans fall asleep. With 1,500-plus vets now participating, it's our goal to deliver 10,000 audio players this year. Go to our website at songsandstoriesforsoldiers.us. Help us help a veteran make it through the night. You're listening to the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Welcome back. This is the Science of Magic, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I'm your host, Gwilda Wiecka, and one of those gifted people of service is our guest this hour, Dr. Keith Witt. He's a licensed psychotherapist, teacher, and author of six books, including his latest, Shadow Light, Illuminations at the Edge of Darkness. Dr. Witt, what can you tell us about shadow and projection? Projection is taking a part of myself um, and rather than being aware that it's a part of myself, say a part of me that um, is uh, angry or that's sexual or that's very wise, it can be positive or negative, and projecting it onto another person and relating to them as if they're having that. Easiest, easiest way to see it in a positive sense is I'm with a spiritual teacher and I project my own wisdom onto that person and he says something that resonates with me and I go, oh my goodness. You are so wise, and I know so little. And yet, my resonating with that spiritual teacher is actually my own wisdom resonating with him that I'm not aware of, that I've projected onto him. Um, it's a form of giving power. Um, uh, negative projection is projecting something negative. Uh, I say um, I'm having an argument with my wife, um, and I say in a harsh tone, you're being mean to me. Um, well, actually, I'm being mean to her. And, but instead, I'm imagining her being mean to me, and I'm attacking her meanness rather than confronting my own, my own anger and my own aggression, my own hostility. Um, this is particularly egregious in violence. Um, violence is the source of almost all human problems, and what we do is we take our own violence, our own distress, project it onto other people, and then want to attack it. Um, and, and so what happens with other people when they feel attacked is they will... T- 
have aggressive responses and then they all imagine us being not nice people who are in a distressed moment. They imagine us being horrible people. They project that. And then this is where escalating conflicts come from and that's where marital arguments come from and that's where world wars come from. And uh, to the extent that we can be aware of what's going on inside of us and how we project it on other people, we can regulate that and we can relate in a much more effective and compassionate way both with ourselves and with the world. So is shadow work dangerous? Can a person become overwhelmed when you, when you enter into it? Absolutely. Um, as I was saying earlier, another source of compartmentalization and defenses is unresolved trauma. These traumas exist in us um, in many forms, and mostly in the form of if we're stimulated in a certain way, we can go into extreme states of distress and distortion, um, um, sometimes um, dissociation. And so this is the power of consciousness uh, and the danger. Um, and so it's, if we're dealing with uh, any sense of being overwhelmed, it's always useful to be around a wise other, a spiritual teacher that we trust, a psychotherapist, um, that kind of stuff. Um, and since we're all hu humans, are, we're born addicted to other people. We're born in relationships. We are rela the most relational species on this planet are human beings. Um, and uh, we're, the, we're one of the only species, for instance, that we can have multiple uh, attachment figures, race and infant. Um, and so, you know, when we begin to feel that sense of overwhelm, one of the best things to do is to be around someone that we love and trust and that loves and trusts us. Um, and, and so in that sense, whenever we can have a culture around us of love and trust and understanding, we can go almost anywhere. Um, and we should. Because the ventures into the unknown, into our own beauty and our own darkness and violence, that's what leads to transformation. That what leads to that personal evolution that all of us hunger for, that self-transcendence. That self-transcendence is not random. It's going in a direction of felt unity with everything and service to the world. That's where all the developmental lines lead. That's amazing to, to look at it happening at this time. You know, if someone's interested in moving into this shadow work, what do you suggest is the first most viable step for them? I'd say the first most viable step is to have a contemplative practice. Um, the easiest ones are, are downloading uh, uh, meditations online and doing them every day. Um, this literally creates the neural territory in your brain, the frontal part of your brain for self-observation, and it begins to teach compassion, self-observation. Um, um, and the second thing is to develop relationships with people that you respect and care about that seem like compassionate and understanding people. Um, a contemplative practice and relationships with people that you can be transparent with and can feel accepted by are two of the biggest steps that you can take. Now, after that, there's all kinds of things. Regular exercise has huge effects. Um, you know, healthy sleep and diet has huge effects. You know, our mind-body connection is a significant connection. And if we don't take care of our body, it affects our mind, which affects our spirit. Um, and so it's our task to balance all of those things. And some cultures help us do that, and some cultures interfere with it. American culture, unfortunately, interferes with um, healthy living in many ways. You know, provide enough support for infants and, and mothers and, and children. Americans work 1,900 hours a year as opposed to Europeans who work 1,400 hours a year. You know, this causes stress, inflammation, problems that distract us and pull us away from development and, and love. Uh, and that's what we need, development and love. Mm -hmm. So Our contemplative practice um, and having loving relationships and then allowing yourself to have an orientation towards life is about effort and progress and growth. You know, the person I am today is going to be a different person next year. And what I want to do is I want to do the thing today to help that person next year thrive. And that's listening to my heart, listening to constructive shadow and saying yes, and determining and discerning the destructive shadow and saying, all right, where's the yearning? Where's the yearning in that? Where's the positive message? And dialysizing that destructive shadow, that perhaps projection, and turning it into constructive shadow. And this literally grows my unconscious. It grows my shadow. It helps me serve the world. It sounds like you're coming out of polarization on the shadow level when you do that. That's exactly right. <laughs> so 
Why do you think that we have such an opportunity at this particular time to do this work, to evolve, to enter into unity? I think that the world is waking up. Uh, one, one designation of that, and it's, there's lots of ways of seeing it, but we're, we're, it's the integral age in that there's a level of consciousness of, that's world-centric. and It's not necessarily not hierarchical, but it's like your Lakota teacher said, in any moment there's a different hierarchy that applies. Um, that in the integral we call that flex-flow uh, um, uh, hierarchical systems. Um, that's becoming more widespread. And individual variation is becoming more accepted. And individual development is becoming more accepted. Now, as we do this, we're also seeing the shadow of this. We're seeing fake news. Um, we're seeing authoritarianism rising up around the world as people begin to get disenchanted um, with the power structures. Um, there are social forces that happen in human societies, for instance, the, the, um, the discrepancy between the rich and the poor, that are natural parts of, of capitalist economies. Now, you know, that doesn't, that's not a bad thing, but, but historically those discrepancies have been resolved with violence, uh, with war revolution. And in a modern age, those are going to be resolved in other ways. Um, it's messy, but it's better than war or revolution. And so in this age, we have room to be ourselves. We have room to affiliate and love other people as we want to affiliate and love other people with fewer societal constraints. But also in this age, there are dangers and risks. There are separations and distortions that exist um, that didn't exist before. And we're seeing that played out all over the world right now. It seems like the old structures are falling down around us, and it's a very volatile time. Are you seeing it that way? Absolutely. And it's a dangerous time. Um, uh, you know, nonviolent change happens slowly. Violent change happens quickly. Um, and what, to a certain extent, I'm, I'm, what I'm seeing is that we're seeing, in a way, the death throes of um, the old social forms where um, coercion, violence, and authoritarianism um, were the corruptions of the human need to have position on um, social hierarchies. Um, now, the, the desire to have a position on the social hierarchy is is an instinct, and so people want to be successful. They want to, they want to have authority. They want to have wealth. That kind of stuff. That's that's a natural drive. But when it gets distorted into having it at the expense of other people, then that's violent, and that causes problems. And we're seeing both kinds happening right now. And the solution is to wake up. Um, it's always been fascinating to me that the number one thing that could change a culture most quickly was to educate the women in that culture. Um, why is that? Because educated women make better choices about managing families, and educated women will raise children that are more likely to be world-centric children. Um, and I found that statistic to be, to be um, hopeful, and yet then I see cultures where um, women are suppressed and education is suppressed, and it hurts. Um, and that's one of the things about development. Um, you know, the more you understand and see, the more you hurt. Um, the less you suffer, I think, um, because you have that sense of understanding that we're all serving something larger than ourselves. Um, but, you know, as long as one child on this planet is not being cared about, I'm going to suffer. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hurt. Isn't, isn't that what it's about? It's like uh, thawing out a frozen limb. As we become yeah. more aware, we start to resonate with the pain around us. Yeah. It's difficult in that way. I can't thank you enough, Dr. Witt, for being on the program and bringing all this wonderful wisdom. And um, it, we're about out of time, but um, again, thank you so, so much for being with us. It's been wonderful being with you, Gwilda. Our guest this hour has been Dr. Keith Witt, a licensed psychotherapist, teacher, and author of six books, including his latest, Shadow Light, Illuminations at the Edge of Darkness. His website, drkeithwitt.com. This has been the Science of Magic. Remember, you can always listen to thought-provoking past episodes on our website, thescienceofmagic.net. Until next time, dear ones, may you be blessed with knowledge and comforted with love as you dance with your shadow.